1987, Manitoba passed the Human Rights Code, protecting against discrimination based on sexual orientation, prompting the official Pride March in Winnipeg. 35 years later, Winnipeg Pride has grown to include communities of diverse sexualities, gender identities, and relationships. Although society has developed tremendously since the first Pride event, we must continue to fight for the rights of all generations to come. Uh, so my name is Barry Karlenzig, and I am the president and chair of Pride Winnipeg. Uh, history with myself, I started with Pride 10 years ago, actually the first week of April. So this is my 10 year anniversary with the organization as well. I started 10 years ago as a volunteer driver and have sat in various different roles, such as director of logistics, vice president of programming, executive assistant to programming, um, acting parade rally director, and then chair for the last two and a half years now. How have you uh, enjoyed your time working at Winnipeg Pride? Volunteering at Pride for 10 years now, I have very much enjoyed it to know that we're 100% volunteer run organization and to be able to sit back and just see in my 10 years of history, how much we have grown and how big of a festival when we have become. When I first started 10 years ago, it was a half day festival Sunday at the Forks. Now it's a two day festival with four stages, national coverage, things like that. Just to see that and know that that's all done by volunteers. It's just amazing. The big question is uh, for people who are listening in, what exactly is Pride? In Winnipeg, well, and across the community, Pride is and always has been, it has been the March for Rights. So going back to 87, when the very first protest started in Winnipeg, there were individuals walking down Portage Avenue with bags over their heads because they were loud and proud, but at that time they could have been fired for who they were. And as that has happened, we've also, a great example, this year we just found out it's actually 20 year, or it's the 20 year anniversary of the pride flag being raised in Winnipeg at City Hall. We've been around 35 years, it took 15 years for the city to feel comfortable enough to recognize pride for truly what it is. And it has been growing as diversity. To this day, individuals look at it and say, well, it's just a giant party. No, it is still a protest. It is still a right, a march for rights. Not everyone in the alphabet, as we call it, has equal rights yet. Back in the 80s and the 90s till now, a lot of the L and the G, as my predecessor always said, the L and the G have very great representation over the years. It's now up to those who, re or who recognize under those letters to bring up the rest of the letters of the acronym to make sure there's equal rights for all for the next generation and the next generation after that. We have to keep fighting for the rights of all because what we're seeing coming out of the United States is a removal of rights and recognitions for a group of people and, you know, them being demonized and ostracized within their communities just for who they are. Even in Manitoba, rights, we're not perfect. Pride Winnipeg is not perfect by all means, shape or form. We grow every year and as an organization, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to stumble. We've been around for 35 years. So we, as I say, we've been doing something right, but we constantly day over day over day we're going to make mistakes and it's how we work as a community to make sure that doesn't happen again and how we grow and learn from. There are still so many groups within Winnipeg, the BIPOC community, the trans community within Manitoba, the greater in Winnipeg and especially in Manitoba that don't have equal rights, that still face job discrimination all over the place. And it's sad that we're in 2022 and that is still going on. Uh, I'm from a uh, conservative 
uh, community and at least for myself and the, the friends I've been lucky enough to cultivate and find over the years as we've grown and developed uh, as ourselves you know, we found that a lot of our feelings, uh, myself as a, I mean, as a straight passing uh, queer man, it makes it, you know, much easier than for some people. But just, you know, the rhetoric and language that is used towards queer identities, it's something that almost, I'm 28 now, it's taken me 28 years to get comfortable in that identity. My family was raised very Mennonite. Home and Oprah were deacons at their church. Every summer was at Gimli Bible Camp, that type of stuff. When I came out, I was removed from my church as a member. I was ostracized, all that kind of stuff. And that's going back 13, 14 years ago. Skip 13 years ahead. Yes, it's a lot better than it was back then, but it's still got a long way to go. And it's just, you see those things where having, also having family in such a small town, like I have family in Low Farm, Manitoba. In literally the Bible Belt of Winter, the Bible Belt of Manitoba, and to have someone like my 90-year-old Opa, when I told him six months ago I was engaged and he met my partner. And at 90 years old, he's like, I don't understand, but I approve. And I love you other all the same. As a deacon of a Mennonite church who is 90 years old, to have him say that meant the world because we all thought we're just like, okay, at 90, he's had years of history. There's gonna be a certain mindset and that's the other thing that a lot of our a lot of individuals face is the older generation may not understand and right away they go to under not understanding and get defensive when it's okay they don't understand how do we help teach them and educate them how do we educate the next generation and the next generation where we know that we wouldn't be where we are today without those original marchers and protesters from 1987 and they still have a voice equal to those who are having issues today, but we need to sh we need to learn and educate from what they've learned till now, and then at the same time, as the next generation, educate that generation on the changes that have happened since they came out. It would not be nice to get to a point where we don't need to have these conversations because it's just you know part of society that it's not something like oh we got to have this long debate about civil rights and you know the importance of allowing people to be their authentic selves how would you say if someone is you know dealing with either their sexuality or um, identity maybe they have some conservative family maybe they've moved from a country where those rights and conversations haven't started at all where would you say they can start to have that conversation with family and friends so I think to start that conversation, a really great resource in Manitoba is the Rainbow Resource Center and also Sunshine House. So both are two amazing organizations. Rainbow Resource Center has a group called, I think it's Newcomers Winnipeg is I believe what the name is called. And it's a group of individuals who are have immigrated here who identify as part of the community and either their family knows, their family doesn't know, but how they work together to help to help explain to the family or have those discussions there's books, there's resources. Sunshine House is the same way. Both are two amazing organizations. And probably as somebody who has talked with a lot of the organizations across Canada, probably without showing favoritism, probably two of the best ones in Canada that we work with. Resources are so needed because like when we're looking at trans kid and trans folks, suicide rates are so high 
in that uh, community. So it's so important to have these resources for people to talk when they are struggling. And it's so amazing to see like Rainbow Resource Center has counseling services. Sunshine House does as well, but Rainbow Resource Center has amazing counseling resources that they end up footing the bill first because the province of Manitoba doesn't cover a lot of it until after the fact or things like that where a parent, a child may be transitioning and needs a counselor and it might not be covered under the parent's medical or might not know who to reach out to. So they have those resources to be able to book even same day appointments. They get same day appointments twice a week. So that's something that really... It's great to see, and it's something that not everyone knows. I know a lot of the GSAs in the schools know about it, but those individual students who might not feel comfortable enough to go to uh, to go to the GSA and know who to reach out to, you have that same question. It's like, what do? How do we educate? How do we educate so that should anyone have any questions or any concern coming out to their family or identity identity crises, things like that? We need that resource book for someone to feel comfortable with that they can go look at without being judged or if they don't feel comfortable going into a GSA they can walk into the counselor's office or there's resources online more people go online nowadays as someone who let's say is transitioning and they're 14 well if they're going online chat history is parents have chat history blog history all that stuff saved so how do you explain that you've gone to a resource rainbow resource center which is a queer resource center what can what can we do as the different organizations to drop those barriers so that if, if someone has any questions, they can go somewhere that they feel safe to find the information? I know you've mentioned a little bit of how the language differs between the United States and here in uh, Canada, specifically around like uh, transgender versus trans identity. Uh, when also looking at um, uh, Pride Winnipeg's website, it also talks about uh, GSRD, Gender, Sexual, and Relationship uh, Diverse. I guess just uh, what has been the evolution of language when we're talking about um, uh, the diverse community, which uh, of, uh, yeah, the diverse rainbow community? Because I know a lot of people here like LGBTQ, 2SLGBTQ+. For full transparency, if you were to take every letter of the acronym, you basically make up a 26-letter alphabet, or we always call it the alphabet soup. So my predecessor back in 2017 was part of a focus group with the federal government as to how do we create a new acronym so everyone has equal representation within the acronym. So there was surveys done, things like that, and it came up as GSD, Gender Sexual Diverse. That came to Winnipeg. At the time, we were working with Poly Manitoba, and they said, well, the the poly groups and the poly identified individuals do not fit under either one of those letters. So we think there should be an R for relationship. Now we're working with Two-Spirit Manitoba and Two-Spirit Mischief where the question has been, well, those four letters don't represent us. Well, okay, what does or what acronym? So starting back at the beginning to avoid building that 26 letter alphabet suit, because sadly, there are eight different ways. If you go to eight different websites in Manitoba that are all queer businesses, they're going to have eight different versions of the acronym. There is no set. We refer to, to it as the 2SLGBT, 2SLGBTQ+, but other individuals refer to it as also 2SLGBTQIA+, asterisks. So there's different, there's different things. So that's where a couple of the organizations started with the GSD and then the GSRD, and we've had tons of 
community feedback saying, we don't think GSRD represents Winnipeg. Okay. So after Pride this year, we're going to have consultations with the community and say, should we be still be referring to it as a GSRD? Should we go back to, to us LGBT plus? What makes it so that everyone feels that they are represented under the acronym that as a large as the largest pride in Manitoba that we do. It can be a real struggle sometimes, even for members of a, a queer community to keep up with the ever evolving as we learn more about gender identity, relationship identity, sexual identity, just how broad and diverse the spectrum of it all is. It can really be hard to uh, keep up sometimes. Well, for sure. And if you think back to the history, when it when the first acronym was created, it was GLBT. And then a lot of individuals say, well, why did it become LGBT? Well, the LGBT started when the women's movement happened in the late 80s, early 90s. So then that transitioned. So it's always, since it was first created, it has always changed year over year over year as years have progressed. It has progressed, but sadly there is, as a, as a community, we have to think of an acronym that fits us all equally or every year there's going to be a fight as to whose letter is the first this year, whose abbreviation is the first this year, and so on and so forth. It really, it constantly grows and we need to, as a community, find, find an acronym that represents us all. And if that is a 27 letter acronym, then it's a 27 letter acronym, but then everyone feels represented. Different people use different language around, you know, what does it mean to be queer. Like I like the word queer. It feels like it encompasses, you know, my experiences and what I've gone through and my friends use language too, but I know some people don't like use it, uh, using it because of the backgrounds and how it was, you know, derogatory uh, back in the day towards certain groups of people. And I've only been out 13 years. And when I came out 13 years ago, queer was a bad word. There were so many different bad words that have migrated into like, they're now socially accepted. And it's more, but that also is the evolution of history where gender fluid, things like that, gender fluid, when I first came out 13 years ago, didn't even exist. Now you hear it or someone right away was 13 years ago, if you were two spirit, you were automatically trans. Well, that's not the case. And it was those education pieces. So I even with being with pride for 10 years and being out for 13 years, there are certain times I'll slip up and I've apologized to individuals and in full conversation saying, I'm sorry, 13 years ago when I came out, this is how it was. I need to train myself and reteach myself to learn for the better. It's even interesting, like you look at the 35 year history of pride, Winnipeg. I'm the first bisexual president the organization's ever had in 35 years of history. It's a milestone within itself, but it's a lot of the organization and a lot of people in the community, are, they're shocked. But it's also because when back in the 80s and back in the 90s, a lot of the G and the L picked on the B and basically said, pick a side. Yeah. It, and I mean, some of that rhetoric is still online when you're looking at just social media. It's there's still a bit of a yeah, divide or playing for teams. Yeah. And it's like I was in an international conference in Athens in 2019. And I had someone from another pride in Europe come up to me and flat out say, oh, you're bi. Why can't you pick a side? And I'm like, I'm at a national conference of pride organizers, an international conference of pride organizers. I should not be having this conversation or hearing this conversation, this type of thing. 
So even hearing it there, I was like, you can't, it's sad. Or you have individuals who are dating someone who is trans and it's like, oh, how's it like? And it's like, well, how's what like? And it's none of your business. It's like dating a person. What? Exactly. My fiance is trans and I've had people come up and be like, oh, and ask questions. I'm like, I've known you for 20 years. This is not a question if that's any of your business and how dare you? And I get offended and they're just like, well, why are you offended? Would you ask this to any of your straight friends? Well, no, then why are you asking? What do you think are some immediate steps that as not just Pride and Rainbow community can take, but communities as a whole to work towards inclusion and acceptance? I think one of the biggest things we can do, and it puts the pressure on not just government, but big business as well, is to leverage the community partners that are out there and do inclusivity training, gender neutral training, pride training, like education, where you have organizations who sadly, as we're getting pride kicks off in eight days, you're gonna all of a sudden see a ton of rainbows across Manitoba. 50% of those companies put it up for the month to get the business and take the rainbow back down. As the rest of industry, the rest of industry should be standing up to those organizations, not just the pride organizers, the rest of the industry should be saying, what are you doing to support the next generation? What are you doing to support inclusion and diversity? Do you have a diversity policy? Do you have an inclusion policy? Do you have someone in your office that if someone has an issue they can come to that isn't gonna be judged based on their sexual orientation? As much as it's illegal, is HR gonna give a dirty look or is something gonna happen or are they just gonna be like, oh, if someone comes and says, I'm looking, at I'm transitioning and I need a safe space. Or is that company going to automatically be like, okay, well, we have a change room here. We have a family change room. There you go. And put them in a corner. Are you going to educate your team? Are you going to educate your staff? Are you going to educate the community? And it all starts with the bigger businesses that the community leaders work with. And sadly, the ones that I hate to say it in industry, but as we all know, money makes the world turn around. So it's up to those industry leaders. And we see a lot of those industry leaders that we work with, with pride who have put their money where their mouth is, but also put diversity and inclusion as a number one thing. We've seen it this year with VRT Canada pride. We've seen it throughout the year where we see companies this year that have never been parts of prides over the years. And all of a sudden they're just like, well, we want to be part of pride. Your first thought is, okay, well, are they going after the pink doll? And you actually meet with them and realize that over COVID, they've created an entire diversity team. They've looked at redoing all of their policies, their workplace safety, all that kind of stuff. And it just, you sit back and you can't believe that a company has taken that much effort during a global pandemic to make those changes for their employees so that when they return to work, they're returning to work safe. And seeing partners like that is just amazing. Like one partner that comes to mind and it's not trying to do partner shadows or anything, but like PCL construction has been a partner of ours for a couple of years. They have some of their executive leaders from across the world that are going to be here for pride week. And they're like, some of our individuals from across the world don't understand what a two spirit powwow is, or don't understand what pride is as a partner. Can you give a, can we come to the site during setup and have a tour by somebody from your organization to explain? I'm like, sure. I'm happy to do those types of tours because it's education, it's training. And it's those things where 
it's a partner who locally does so much. And now they're basically taking their local organization going national and saying, we do this as a global company, you need to follow suit. And that is just amazing to see. And that's the big thing is education is key, always has been. It's not just Pride event. It's all these awareness days throughout the year, like Black History Month or mental health awareness. These are all things that need to be in the public and you know corporate mind year round. It's not just this fun short-term event where you can get some... Um, colorful or specialized uh, memorabilia it's the education but it's also like you said using like pride's mandate has always been our main mandate 35 years is to put on a festival and a, a festival and a parade we are slowly changing our mandate as are all the community partners over the next, the next couple of years but we're also being smart about it where we're working with our community partners and saying okay well if your mission and vision is this why would ours be the same thing? You're diluting the waters. Why don't we all come up with mission and visions that all work together for the greater good? So it's, we're waiting for, right now as an example, waiting for Rainbow Resource Center. They're doing a revision and a remission. Once they've set theirs, then other organizations, we can set ours and plan accordingly. But it's that education year round. It's that discussion year round. There is more than just, Pride isn't just Pride Month. Pride is 365 days a year. Diversity and inclusion is many times of the year. There's Black History Month. There's Indigenous Day. There is so many things and so many important milestone dates in Canada, especially, that need recognition. Truth and Reconciliation Day right now is only recognized by the Fed or by the provincial government, where individuals get the day off with pay so that they can truth and reconcile. A lot of other companies haven't taken that on yet because they're just like, well, it's a day that we're going to lose employees. You know what? That shouldn't be on the matter. It's about truth and reconciliation and looking at what the generations before us did and how it's up to us to fix their mistakes to make sure that the next generation doesn't have to go through what the previous generation did and what our generation has done. We're all in this together and this sort of mentality and unity is something that we can work towards all of the current issues that we're seeing, housing, climate change, food scarcity, like yeah. these are all things that we can, each is very important, but you know, we need to come together to solve all of these problems. Something big in the festival industry is everyone used to bring water bottles. Now all of us have banned plastic water bottles on the site, bring your own reusable water bottle, things like that, because it's about the environment. It's leveraging those bigger groups or bigger events to also educate not just on the pride movement and the political movement, but also educate on environmental sustainability, accessibility. Like there's so many different pieces. And it's, I think back to more companies now are doing pronouns on their signatures. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, the pronouns on signatures got started by the queer community. I'm like, no, we just helped for it. We pushed it along. But it got started on various different things. And then it's like, you have to explain to someone, they're just like, well, is it just because someone identifies as this? I'm like, no, I said, here's a great, I've used this as an example in my day job. And I've had to where you have someone who has the name Robin. Well, you don't know when you're talking to Robin automatically how Robin identifies. If Robin puts their pronouns on their signature, you do. Social acceptance in the business world always used to be that you would always put in a letter, Mr. Miss so-and-so. Now 
the Mr. and Miss is completely taken out, you refer to the individual as their first name. 10 years ago, that was against business regulations and rules and it looked unprofessional. Now it's the most professional way to do it. And it's those small, this, those small little things that, again, education, and there's so much to learn day in and day out. And it's just an evolution of etiquette and how you... Yeah, and it's also like, you don't walk up to somebody and say, hi, I'm so-and-so, what's your pronouns? It's like, no, hi, I'm Barry, my pronouns are he, him. Because some people in the, some people don't identify with pronouns. We have an individual on our board who does not identify with pronouns, and that is their choice. They have said that and it's and then people on people right away are just like, well, you have to have a pronoun. You don't have to have a pronoun. You don't have to have anything. And again, it's that education. It's that as we're evolving, there's also going to be stumbling blocks. And someone's like, well, we've evolved for this. so Everybody should do it. No, it's the same thing as employers being like, OK, everybody has to put pronouns on their signatures now. Nope. You're taking what is a great idea and come completely shooting it out the window. Well, I identify as a, a progressive and, you know, the whole point of the progressive movement is to progress forward, to change when something, you know, you work towards something and then at that point you can work towards the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. There's never a stagnant spot where you're like, we're good, we're good, we've solved all the problems, let's, don't bring it up anymore. Every year, every week, every month, there is always going to be something. And that's where, sadly, a lot of, a lot of individuals also need to realize as, as the movements grow and as education grows and diversity grows, it goes back to that saying is you're not going to please everybody. You're not going to make everyone happy. And that's hard for some people to understand sometimes where when I came out, I lost one of my aunts. One of my aunts hasn't talked to me in 13 years since I came out. And people are like, well, does it bother you? I said, it did when I when it first happened. But now it's like, you know what? They're lost. And sadly, it's those things where it's also, we have to realize that when some people come out, they lose their entire family. Their entire family will ostracize them. So how do we as a community build that person up? Because like you said, the high suicide rates, the, there's so many things there. So you look at Club 200, Club 200 at Thanksgiving, we'll do a Thanksgiving dinner for everyone. And you turn in and it's, I've gone, I've been single, I've gone with individuals and friends and things like that. And we've had individuals that have immigrated from camp or immigrated here. They're like, I have nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. It's like, great, come to Club 200, let's have turkey. And you build your pride family, you build your drag family, I'm part of the drag group. So it's like, you build your pride family, your drag family, where you have, you have, more than one family and it's okay to have more than one family you have a support system and there's so many people in our community that don't have that support system that we need to be there to help them and that's that's a major thing where can people go to find out more about pride winnipeg and when does pride officially start so to find out more about pride winnipeg go to pridewinnipeg.com or pride winnipeg on our facebook or instagram or our pride winnipeg app that we have for pride season and Pride kicks off officially next Friday with the flag raising at City Hall at noon, followed by the festival June 4th and 5th at the Forks this year with our new Canada stage and some amazing headliners. Catch them all on the Pride Winnipeg app. If you have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk. And have yourself a good one.